0: Hello, everybody. This is Marguerite Crispin the Real Estate Real World and really excited about my guest today. We've been uh, Facebook friends for a while and we've never actually met in person, but I'm just so inspired by this guy all the time. And uh, we were just talking how many times people don't take the time to just ask. So I reached out and said, hey, I'd love to chat with you and he is such a great guy, and so graciously accepted, and I'm thrilled to talk to him. So, please welcome Bob Corcoran. Did I say that right, Bob?
1: You absolutely did, Marguerite. It's a great <laughs> honor to be on the show with you today.
0: Awesome. So, Bob, I would, you know, I've been reading quite a bit on your profile and your websites and that kind of stuff, but I'd love to hear from you. Tell us a little bit about your background.
1: Well, let's see. I was born – oh, we don't want to go that far back. Okay. Well, my, <laughs> my my first career I was in retail management. I was a turnaround specialist. I did that for 16 years. And the last two – I was always very passionate about what I did, and I always believed that whatever you do, do it full force. You know, don't, don't cut corners. Do what you're supposed to do. Learn, train if you need to learn or whatever. But the last two years, I, I was just feeling a stirring in my spirit that my ladder was leaning against the wrong wall. And I had reached really the uh, pinnacle of where I could with this company. And uh, uh, I had a friend of mine who just said, you know, Bob, you'd be so great in sales. And, of course, you know, here I was making six figures in the late 80s and, you know, just didn't, you know, couldn't, didn't want to do that. Didn't, You know, it was, it was risky. And you know, so, but anyway, I finally left it and I went in and became an executive recruiter. And, uh, you know, during that, I developed some technology uh, for the telephone industry, uh, the IVR system for a company, and then just started teaching agents how to implement this technology. And because of my business management background, what I realized very quickly was that most real estate agents don't know how to run a business. They're simply master salespeople. Yeah. And the more and more, yeah, we got in, and when we look at it, you know, every business is run by systems. And what I found in real estate, systems were really Non-existent in the late '80s, early '90s, and so I just got working with this one client. Her husband and I started a company, you know, utilizing the the IVR technology. And uh, more and more agents just kept asking me, "Can you help me put systems in?" Well, I had worked with this one client for two years, and you know, she went from like 182 sales to 100, uh, 367 within two years. And oh, yeah. we went down. We went from a staff of 11 people down to four. Now you got Remember, Marguerite, this was the early 90s. Computers really weren't being utilized that much. As a matter of fact, the database she was using was Actin and DOS. And anybody I remember. I remember. I was gonna say anybody who was a millennial or Gen X or Gen Y might not even know what DOS is, but don't worry about it. <laughs> and so I just you know, I, I you know I just figured out how to, you know, write action plans, you know, to be able to manage the real estate transaction from the listing to the close. And through the technology, we were able to, you know, reduce her overhead like by seventy percent. And then, uh, so I just, you know, I found a niche, and my niche was to work with real estate agents and teach them how to be the chief executive officer of a business. And if we fast forward 25 years, you know, we have some of We are so blessed to have some of the greatest clients in the world. Uh, Last year, the Wall Street uh, Journal recognized 64 of our clients as the, you know, in their top 250 list. And, you know, they garnered 84 different awards. And, you know, all it is is just run it like a business. And. I think it was, was really, and you opened it with, uh, you know, you know, agents always say, well, I don't know where to begin. And, you know, you begin by asking a question. Just like, you know, you said, Marguerite, you know, we'd never met in person. We've been on Facebook together. You know, and Marguerite simply just shot me a private face, Facebook message. And I'm sure she was probably shocked that I replied. I was. and <laughs> Well, you know, I've always lived my life by the, the saying, you have a 50 50 chance to get anything you want simply by asking. And she probably said, well, I'll Facebook him if he answers great. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. But this was just last week, and here we are today. And so I just think it's amazing. I think people really, especially in sales, you got to ask for the order. You're in sales, you shouldn't, be, you shouldn't think that somebody's too busy. Okay, or he won't answer me. You know, that's putting people on pedestals. And that's where I think people really fail to learn is because we always need to reach out, okay, and learn from those who have done come before us. So that's kind of like how I I got started in the business.
0: Yeah, I think it's so fascinating because I think that that really is probably one of the number one stumbling blocks for most real estate agents and salespeople, wouldn't you say, that the, the failure to ask?
1: Oh, totally. And I don't get it. And so, one of the things in our coaching and consulting, what we do, you know, I've been consulting real estate agents, like I said, for 25 years, and it was just a maze for salespeople. Everybody's great at taking that call coming in. But, you know, let's face it sales is about making a telephone call it might be uh, text messaging it might be emailing but I don't care you know who you are at the end of the day real estate is about getting face-to-face with people sure we're doing more and more deals without even having to talk to a person but those are really few and far between and my fear especially I think uh, the younger generation of, of real estate agents coming up who totally relied just on social media and texting and emailing that this is a real, real estate is a relationship-based business.
0: Yes,
1: and yes. you know when you, you know when and when we look at the you know the Gen X and the Gen Y, you know they're brought up in a, in a generation where you got you know dual-income parents. Okay, you know let's face it, the Millennials were the original latchkey kids. Okay, which really carried down to Gen X and Gen Y. So it's really exciting to work with you know the Gen X and the Gen Y to really see their eyes just pop open when you give them the script that feels great for them to say. Now, some yeah. people say, Marguerite, oh, I hate scripts and dialogues. And I'm like, really? Come on, Marguerite. Every word we speak today was a script at one time. Exactly. Because we had to learn it. I mean, the very first script you learned, Marguerite, when you're a little baby, your mommy and daddy sitting over your crib and say, come on, Marguerite, say mama.
0: <laughs> That's a script.
1: That's how we learn. You know, <laughs> so I, think I, just, if,
0: uh, I think if people change the word to sometimes – It helps, like changing the word from what's your script to what's your story. You know, when you tell a series of stories, is how people relate, wouldn't you agree?
1: Yeah, totally. And, and, and uh, you know, the thing is being able to change the dialogue like the word script to a story, but have a very structured story. And and yes. like one of the documents we have is just simply called the structure of a call. And so it's like if you're making an outbound uh, sales call, all right, here's, here, here are the six points of the call that lead you to get face-to-face with the appointment. And if you just ask the simple questions in guiding the conversation to where you want it to go, it is so easy it's, it's unbelievable. It, it's almost sinister. It's so easy. Wow. But it, you're right. Words sometimes you know, play different things in different people's minds. And I say at the end of the day, just get over it. Learn what you need to learn to be able to achieve the success you want. And success is deemed in many different ways, whether it's you know personal success, whether it's professional success, educational success. What is it? What do you want? Is it about the money? Some people say, oh, it's not about the money. And I say, really? I've never heard anybody complain they have too much money, though.
0: Yeah, I I haven't heard that either.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right. But plenty of people complain, and that's it. They complain. So quit complaining. You know, our, our core values, I can kind of speak for themselves, and, you know, the people that work for our company not only have to agree to work by the company's core values, but also live their life by it, because they're just life core values. Like, you know, for example, you know, be a person of action, okay, be responsible for your choices, seek wisdom, you know, I love to seek wisdom, okay, it's like, what do we listen to, okay, when we're driving, Okay, we know that everybody that's listening to today's uh, uh, session here, Marguerite, they have their favorite songs that they can sing from memory, yet they've never read the words. But they listen to the song over and over and over. And that's what a script is. You keep saying it over and over and over until it becomes you. And you add your personality to it. But, you know, other other core values like choose to be happy and learn to forgive, and one of my favorite is persist without exception. And see, when you persist without exception, that's the only place miracles can occur. You know, thank goodness Thomas Edison didn't stop after failing 999 times on, on making the light bulb. Thank exactly. goodness Abraham Lincoln didn't quit after his second or whatever bankruptcy he had. You know, but that's where miracles can occur. And as salespeople, that is a true sales core value, persist without exception. It's just like you and I connecting, right? You reached out. I responded. You responded back. Look, you persisted without exception, and here we are less than a week later on the phone together.
0: You know the one that I love that you said? I, mean, I love all of those, of course, but I love the take responsibility one. You know, it's like what I've figured out in my business is that when you take responsibility for not only the successes but the failures, you'll make every effort to fix it right so when people what i find is when people screw up and we all do i'm certainly no exception i've screwed up millions of times in my life um but when you take responsibility then you'll find a way to improve it but when you constantly blame other people then you no longer take responsibility so you don't fix things that's that's my favorite one
1: well yeah but really marguerite are you really failing see failure only comes around When you fail and you didn't learn anything, but if you failed and you learned something, how can you call that a failure? It's like your parents. They tell you, don't touch the stove when it's on because it will burn you. Well, come on. How many of the callers burned themselves on the stove?
0: I know I did. When I was five years old, I'll never forget it. I put my hand right Right. on the burner.
1: (laughs) And guess what? I bet you it was the last time you did it. It was. <laughs> so was it? did you fail yourself by not listening to your parent? Okay, tell you not to do it. No, look at the valuable life lesson you learned.
0: What a great perspective. And so,
1: well, we live here and we work with our clients to, uh, to focus on the positive and focus on the solution 100% of the time. And when you do that, you very rarely ever have failures because you ask yourself, what did I learn? And as long as you are learning something – then you are winning. And failure is nothing more than success turned inside out. See, we have to cut the mooring lines to our brain. We live in a negative world. You want to talk about getting real, Marguerite? We live in a negative world. Look at the newspapers. Look at your evening news. Negative, negative, negative. Negative is all around us. How about dare to be different and focus on the positive and focus on the great things that are around you? Instead, we want to complain all the time. What good is complaining doing? Either you're part of the solution or you're the problem.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and that's, you know, you can't get any real than that, Marguerite.
0: That's true. That's totally true.
1: Mm-hmm. So I, know, I, I think for go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I did. For most people, it's all about keeping it real. And and what I have found in my 25 years is that real estate agents love to procrastinate. You know, I love there's that short video out, Eat the Frog. And we all know we have, you know, some difficult things we have to, you know, uh, do that day. And what do we do? We keep putting it off, putting it off, and then the day runs out. So we sleep with it, and we add that negative energy as we're sleeping. Instead, why don't you take those negative things and get them done first thing in the morning? Because if all your listeners will realize that it's never as bad as we make it up in our mind to be, rarely is it ever even 10% as bad as we make it up our mind, yet we allow that negativity to consume us for 24, 48, 72 hours, and sometimes people for a lifetime. So get rid of those negative things that are in your life so you can focus on what you love to do.
0: You know, I I would have to agree with you that procrastination, I mean, obviously, I have the same issues in my life many times. It's like, what the heck keeps us from really getting stuff done. And I think in the real estate industry, um, for many, it's I, th- I think it's that fear of failure, don't you?
1: Well, the fear of failure, or fear of success. Again, it's how you look at it. Okay? And we really work hard with our clients on empowering language. Uh, we're really, we, we believe wholeheartedly, uh, 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 one of the best, uh, uh, books written out there was greatest salesman in the world by Mandino, And we do a whole Mandino coaching program as well to help people overcome. Why are you, you have to understand why do you procrastinate? And the biggest reason in real estate is, you know, a lot of people, they get their license because I can become an independent contractor. Nobody can tell me what to do, when to do it, or where to be. And that's why the average realtor in America sells five homes a year. But you, if, if 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 all of our listeners, Marguerite, if you looked at it, like even in your own real estate practice, Marguerite, you own a business, don't you? Yes. Okay. But do you look at yourself as a CEO of that corporation, or do you look at yourself as a real estate agent?
0: So in my situation, I run a brokerage. So I I do I run a brokerage and I run a team. So luckily. Okay. Uh, I learned many years ago. I read that book, The E Myth. I thought that was. Oh, love it. Michael Gerber.
1: Michael Gerber, yes.
0: I read that book my first year in real estate back in uh, 1990. Well, I got my license in 93 and started selling in 95. And Mm -hmm. that book was life changing.
1: Totally, and that is a great book because it helps you identify who you are. But let's look at just the difference. You you, you own your brokerage, so you're the CEO of that brokerage as you're guiding your agents. But when you come inside of your team, are you still the CEO in managing your team, or are you simply a real estate agent?
0: Well, I would say that at this point in my career, I'm definitely the CEO of my team. But for many years, I was not, and I completely understand where you're going with this.
1: You know, and when I look at this, Marguerite, we have—I think—you know—we have clients that are selling over two hundred million dollars in residential real estate. And as I say to them, I said, "Look, you you, you sold two hundred million dollars in sales last year. How many businesses in your marketplace had two hundred million in sales? Yeah, Usually, it's not, not many. many. And so, is that when when you really realize, even if you're doing $5 million, That puts you in the top probably 25% of businesses in your company. Now, you say, yeah, but I didn't make $5 million. Yeah, but neither did a company that has a billion dollars in sales because everything is gauged by the amount of sales. So I just think when you talk about keeping it real, break it down to its simplest component because as real estate agents, we get paid to do four things, list, prospect, sell, and negotiate. Those are the only four tasks that we have as agents That make us money. So why are we doing non-dollar productive work? Why are you entering your own listings in the MLS? Why not hire somebody, an administrative assistant to take the, the magnitude of paperwork that's in this industry, okay, take it away from you so you can focus on those four dollar productive activities. So why do
0: agents not do that? Because I see that a lot. I see there, you know, people talk about a glass ceiling. You know, back in the day it was more for women. Now, now I see it a lot in sales is that there seems to be a huge discrepancy between an agent who sells, say, 12 to 20 homes and an agent who sells 100 homes. It's like once they hit about that 12 to 18, if they hire an assistant, it will propel them exponentially. But if they don't, they seem to kind of stay and bounce back at that 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 lower number. Wouldn't you agree?
1: 100%. I use the analogy of a restaurant when I'm talking to an agent. So you're a standalone agent right now, and you're listening to today's call. You're a standalone agent. You have no administrative help. I said if you were going to – and you're a business owner – so you got to think like a business person. And that's, the, I think, the failure. Well, most agents don't. They don't think like a business owner. I said, well, what if you were to open up a restaurant? Would you be your only employee in the restaurant? Would you be the waiter or waitress? Would you be the chef? Would you be the dishwasher? The busboy, bus girl, Would you do it all? How many tables would your restaurant be able to have? How many dinners would you be able to serve? Two? You're not going to stay what in business very long. So look that's at real analogy. estate. The same way. You don't need to start out with a full-time person. Okay, start out with a part-time person. See, you're a master salespeople, uh, and so you're not used to managing people. But hire slow, fire quick. Take your time in hiring. See, like with our clients, we give them an entire hiring checklist, whether it's for an administrative person or a buyer agent, and it's just step by step the process of hiring, and it includes the interview questions, the application, uh, the the scripts for. checking references, and then the whole training process is included as well. And I think when you really start structuring things as a business, it really starts changing your perspective. Also, here's another key thing, Marguerite. When you look at somebody that maybe, uh, let's say they're selling 20 homes a year, an average sale price of 200000 okay? So they're, they're, they're doing $4 million a year, and at 3%, that's 120000 And if they're on a 70-30, okay, they're still making $80,000 a year. And by most standards, $80,000 a year is a good living. Yes. So people say, I don't want to work that hard. I'm happy making 80000 Well, I live my life <laughs> by saying it- I live my life, Marguerite, by saying if God gives you the ability to create wealth, don't deny God his plan because he has a plan for the money. And like what you said, if you simply add a part-time admin person, you can easily go from 20 to 30. And what's your return on investment going to be? It's going to be huge. The other thing, the hardest thing for us as a consulting company is to get somebody to the 100 transaction count because it's about that muscle, that six inches between your ears. You You look at somebody selling 50 homes in that same scenario that's 10 million dollars that's 300,000 gross commission income that's a great living yeah but i can tell yeah. you client after client marguerite that we work with that we started that we're at the 40 50 60 range and now they're at the 200 300 400 900 unit range and they're working less than the agent that's selling 20
0: So, you know, I frequently say that God did not put a great salesperson and a great manager in the same body. It's kind of two different people. (laughs) Right. And so how do you think an agent, what's the best way for them to learn how to manage that person? Because I think that that's a huge struggle, too. You know, two of the things that I see are, number one, they're afraid to commit to hiring Somebody, because what if I don't close a deal is is what I hear and or they wanna hire a admin person on commission, which does not work in my experience right. um, but then they so they they keep from hiring that person but then. You know, I, I hear this story a lot of times, the seagull approach. Well, the typical agent doesn't hire anybody till they're slamming busy. Then they grab the first person who's breathing, and they throw them in a chair. They fly by, dump a bunch of crap on their desk, and fly out. And then they come back two weeks later, and they don't understand why that admin person didn't figure it all out.
1: No, <laughs> I hear so you. We how do call they that overcome the that one? Well, we call it the statue approach. The admin you hire is the statue, and you're the seagull. And you dump on the statue, Right. Well, you got to remember, you got to come by and clean off the statue. And that's why we say, you know, before you begin the hiring, first got to make a decision. I, if I had help, what would the benefit to me be? And, you know, I believe that if we look at great CEOs of businesses ab- across all industry, great CEOs are probably going to work, you know, 50, 55 hours a week top end. You know, I think you can talk to any therapist and they'll tell you, we're really ineffective after 10 hours of work a day. Most will tell you seven hours a day. And, you know, so I think if number one you say is, you know what, if I, you know, take your time and say, why am I hiring? You don't hire when you're in the throes of a fire. It's a little late. Yeah. Okay, and so like right now with, with our clients, we're already planning 2015 goals, and we're talking about somebody who might go from, you know, 100 transactions to 200 transactions, and so what we do is we say, all right, here's how many closings you're going to have every month based upon the logarithms that we use on closings in an agent's market, so we already know when we need to hire somebody, so if I know I need to hire somebody in March, I know that in October already, or August Mm -hmm. or September or June. So number one is plan ahead. And then this way you're going to know when you're going to need to add a person. So first you say, I want to add somebody and then you know what you're going to do it your own, your, your, your own way. What is your, your hiring process? Okay. Do you have an application? Your brokerage may have an application for you to use. Like we provide that with all of our coaching clients. Okay. So you have them fill out an application. And don't trust yourself to be the only one interviewing. A typical Great interview advice. process, a, t- a typical interview process for one of our clients would have, if it's for an administrative position, uh, then if, if the agency the only one and they're just hiring the first assistant, you do the initial interview. And and I think before the interview, you got to say, who am I? Who is Marguerite? What are Marguerite's core values? What is Marguerite's mission statement? So if you don't have that stuff. Develop that before you hire someone because now you hire to your mission statement and you hire to your core values. Okay, and so once you have that, it, it's about building culture in the team. So you, you have your culture, you're doing the first interview, and if you have a broker owner or a manager in your office, they'd be happy to be involved in the interview process for you. Reach out to them. Have them do a face-to-face interview with your candidate. If you have another friend, partner up with other agents who are going to be hiring people. Let them do a third interview. See, now it's not you making that decision because you might be hiring, like you said, Marguerite, out of desperation, the first thing that's breathing. And that is the absolute wrong way to hire. And normally, when it's your first hire, you're going to do it wrong. And don't get burned by the fact that it's going to be wrong. It's rare. When an agent hires their very first administrative person, it's rare that it works. You probably know that from your own experience, Marguerite.
0: You know, that's so powerful. And I I have to tell you that that's one of the best lessons I learned early on because – the problem is, is remember I said that God doesn't put a salesperson and a manager in the same body. Well, as salespeople, we really like other salespeople, and we think that other salespeople can do our job. And, and <laughs> what we need is we need the opposite. You know, we need a detail person. We need someone who, you know, will pay attention to the details. So we end up hiring somebody we like, not necessarily somebody who's a perfect fit for the job.
1: Totally true. And we we do a lot. We do personality profiling, you know, on candidates for our clients because there's certain, you know, the DISC profile system we use, most salespeople are D's and I's. Okay, all of us have all four of the personalities. The D stands for the director, which is bottom line oriented and a direct communicator. The I personality is called the natural-born salesperson. They love people, and they're direct communicators. They need people to feel energy. The S personality, or the the I is the interactor. The S is the supporter, okay? And they're your relationship-based people. They love people. And they're, they're detail-oriented. And then you have your C, or compliant personality, which is bottom line oriented and detail oriented. So if you look at a C, if you think of like a bookkeeper, a CPA, a research chemist, okay, you know, sometimes we say a lot of people will say salespeople call those people boring yet they're very valuable in the real estate and doing the transactional work where you need somebody especially as a closing coordinator a C personality is perfect so you know by having you know people's personalities fit the task i always say people don't pick pick their jobs their personalities pick it for them and uh, you know <laughs>
0: that's
1: true it is, and so I just think that's where we go back to. We say, you know, hire slow and don't rely on yourself to do the only interview. Your odds are going to be increased if you have respected people within your, your circle of friends that you allow to do the interview. These are people who know you, okay? And I think what's the, you you nailed it. You know, a lot of salespeople hire people just like them. Well, great, you're going to get nothing done.
0: So what what and, dramatic difference do you see when – and you've coached with thousands of of clients, when they hire someone, what's the biggest impact you see on their business?
1: Return on investment. Two things. Number one is uh, our, our clients get a much more balanced lifestyle. Okay, so we always say when you hire somebody, we look at two things. First, we say how many hours, if you're hiring somebody 20 hours a week, how many of that 20 hours a week are you giving back to your life? Let's say you're working 60 hours a week. Okay, give 10 of those hours back to your life so you're working 50. Okay, then the other 10, okay, you can give to to focusing on your $4 productive activities. So the best, the number one thing is our clients start getting a semblance of order in their lives. And as real estate agents, you hire administrative people to ease the burden on you. Don't let your administrative person put more pressure on you because that's being counterintuitive of what we do. Okay, when you get into hiring a buyer agent, buyer agents, we hire them, okay, to work Saturdays and Sundays, so dang it, you can take a Saturday and a Sunday off. Don't hire an agent to work on your team as a buyer agent, and they say, I can't work weekends. Next. (laughs) That means you're stuck working all the weekends. Really, it doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah, exactly. But the short answer,
1: give time back to yourself, Marguerite.
0: So so that leads me into the next question. What I saw on your coaching site that I loved was about mental health days. Let's talk about mental health days. I love that.
1: All right. So when we look at teams, okay, you know, agents, you know, uh, I'm sorry, but most you, you'll hire an administrative person, and then you make them work 24 hours a day. Like, you know, you, you forward the phones to them after hours. Okay, well, that ain't going to work. That person's going to quit. Okay, it's unrealistic and it's not fair. Um, for our agents, okay, our rainmakers, if we start, like if I'm going to be coaching you, Marguerite, the first thing I always ask Yeah, you know, I'll tell you a true story. I asked this client, his name was Andrew. I said, Andrew, I'm on the phone with him and his wife. He wanted to know about my coaching services. I said, I said well, how many transactions did you do last year? He goes, 62. And I said, okay, and what's your average sale price? He goes, 97000 I said, well, tell me, how many days a week do you work? And his, his wife laughs. And I said, well, Andrew, that tells me you work at least seven days. And she yells, how about nine? <laughs> okay i said wow this this is going to be more like therapy and so my next question was how long has it been since you've taken your wife on a vacation that was non-real estate related you know agents are going to a conference and they call it a vacation not
0: yeah uh-uh. exactly. well
1: she laughed even harder and i said wow that tells me at least three years and she goes how about seven years wow so I said, all right, tell you what, Andrew, why don't you do this? I said, we're kind of done with this call right now. He goes, no, we're not. We haven't even talked about my business and how you can help. I said, well, yeah, we're done with the call. I want you to take your wife on a one-week vacation out of state, and when you return from that, call me and I'll see how I can help you. Because with me, you're going to be, you can't work more than five days a week within 90 days. So he goes, really, you're not going to talk to me? I want to pay you a lot of money to coach me. I said, yeah, and I'm going to help your business grow exponentially, but I do not want to come to an early funeral. Because you're a workaholic, and you need, okay, to learn the boundaries. I was shocked, but three weeks later, he calls me. All right, we're back from vacation. They live in Florida. I said, where'd you go? He goes, Vegas. I go, where'd you stay? He goes, MGM. I go, how'd you get there? He goes, United. I said, great. Pay, email to me your paid receipt from the MGM and your airline ticket. He goes, you don't trust me? I said, I don't know you.
0: <laughs>
1: and he did. Let's fast forward four years he went from uh, 62 transactions to last year 441 from an average sale price of 97 to 202 from working seven days a week last year he worked four and a half days a week from not being on vacation in seven years last year he took five weeks vacation
0: that's amazing
1: so the whole thing is do you have the mindset do you want to do things better than you're doing them today and so it is a mindset because the myths about coaching Marguerite are, well, you know what? I, I, I don't know where to begin. It's going to cost way too much money. And I don't want to work that hard. That all goes against what we teach. And the difference between us and any other uh, coaching company out there is we take the holistic approach. It's not about you, Marguerite, but it's about the people you've hired to help you on your team, so we coach the entire team to help you achieve the success that you and your coach want, because it's not about That's you, because awesome. a lot of my clients, like you nailed it. I tell my clients, look, you're a master salesperson, you're a horrible, the worst manager, and now you're forced to become a CEO, but a CEO is a heck of a lot easier than being a manager.
0: Exactly. So how do you think that, you know, there have been a lot of uh, changes in the real estate market? Obviously, we went from, you know, whatever you want to call normal market, then to just that overwhelming REO market for the last, you know, seven, eight years. And now over the last, in my opinion, 18 months, things have been transitioning back into traditional. I mean, we have probably less than 10% of our market right now is REO or short sales. And so it's really changed the in the last seven to ten years the industry has changed so dramatically. What do you think is going to happen in the next couple of years what What do you see the trends in in real estate?
1: Okay, we're just coming, really, in my opinion, to the tail end of the REO market. However, you know, we still will see an increase in uh, distressed sales, you know, in the fourth quarter of this year and you know, trickling into the first quarter of next year. But I believe that we're in for a good three to five year span of really just a traditional market. There will be pockets throughout the United States that are still really heavy distressed. But I think overall, the market as a whole, it's been rather stagnant, but, you know, the feds are keeping the interest rates low, okay? And I think sometimes the best thing that can happen is if the feds inch up the interest rate, okay, because that really gets a lot of people off off the fence. But in my opinion, I think we're headed to a good uh, three- to five-year run of just normal real estate. Now. Those agents out there, and we're a big believer in multiple pillars of business, You know, a lot of agents that were REO agents came to us for training because that's all they did. 100% of their business was REO, and our belief is you cannot put all your eggs in the short sale or REO basket because you will be out of business. And so a lot of them, we teach them really how to do the traditional side of the business as well. Or if we have a traditional agent in a predominantly distressed area, we'll teach them and guide them how to get into the REO market. One of, the, uh, one of my uh, executives that runs that division, Bubba Mills, he, he was just recognized by the mortgage industry as one of the top 25 most influential people in the mortgage industry. And he comes out of that distressed world, and he's just an unbelievable gentleman in helping agents. making that switch from short sale reo into the traditional world and so i think if we have any uh, distressed agents out there please reach out to us add the traditional pillar of business but look at multiple pillars, a pillar of REO, short sale, traditional, new construction, property management. You know, we have some clients that are even into hard money lending. They have a hard money lending division. They have a fix and flip division. Okay, and so what pillar do you com- is your comfort level? You don't need to be in anything other than traditional. Be comfortable, so- though, but if you're in... But if you close that loop, if you're in REO or just short sales, that's predominantly your business. Please start learning and get education on the traditional side of the business.
0: So important. That's so important. So you mentioned that you guys are starting in October planning for next year. What does that look like? First thing we
1: do is really start the pre-planning begins in June, at the end of June, so July 1st. You know, we have the first six months of the year are in. Okay, so we look, because every year our clients set up their, we have our clients set up goals, stretch goals, and dream goals. And what I learned years ago, if we, go, if we only put a goal in place, people usually fall short of the goal. Because they see they're getting close to the goal, and they take their foot off the gas, and they fall just a little bit short. And so it's kind of defeating. So that's where we added the stretch goal and dream goal, and say always, you know, guide yourself to minimum of the stretch goal. So we look at the first six months of the year and we compare it to where we are in our goals. Usually, our clients we want them to be within, you know, seven eight percent of their goal projection. And we're, you know, our clients are pretty astute when it we, we. You have to learn the numbers. That's one of the parts we struggle the most because agents hate numbers sometimes unless they're calculating their commission. Don't count your <laughs> money at the table. Well, here's an important they- thing also. <laughs> don't focus on how much money you want to make marguerite that's why we don't when we're talking with our clients we don't talk about you know how much commission you made we talk about how many families did you serve because yeah. your marketing efforts and the average price point will take care of the money but how many families do you, don't say i want to make a hundred thousand dollars a year okay why why are you cut yourself short how many families do you want to serve You know, 20 families might be 100,000. Well, do you want to serve more families? And all of a sudden when you use that word serve families, people mentally just go, well, I want to do 30. I want to do 40. I want to serve 100. Great. Now we went from making 100,000 to making a million. Just because you changed the word, how much commission do you want to make, how many families do you want to serve?
0: Great. That's awesome. I love that. That's way better than... How much money? You know, I, I, I frequently will say, if you do what you love, the money will come.
1: That's exactly it. Yeah. You stay within your passions, too. Don't get sidetracked. Exactly. Don't get into multi-level marketing things that are out there. Focus on yeah. real estate. You can only really serve one master. Very so think true. about that. You know, so many agents want to get involved in, like, so many different things. Well, you fail at all of them because you took your, folk, your eye off the ball.
0: Well, they're always looking for the quick, the quick fix. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you agree? They're looking for the next uh, big thing that that can make it to where they can make millions and not have to work. My brother yeah, said it nobody... to us, He says everyone wants to go to heaven, but no one wants to die. Right? So they all want the results, but they don't want to put in the effort.
1: <laughs> he could say it better by It's so true, <clears throat> and. and- You know, just, you know, do the work, you know, but really don't be so driven. You know, you got to remember, you know, God put you on this earth really to to have a life of significance and to affect other people's lives through the words you say and the actions you have. And that's why those mental health days are extremely important. And I think everybody, I think, you know, if you're working more than five days a week, you're working way too much. Don't be afraid to say I'm working too much. And if you say I don't know what to do, well, heck, reach out to me. Okay, we'll give you a path for it, but it, it's really important, you know, that you have a well balanced life. I, I, you know, here's a simple one for all your listeners. If all you any, I'm sure there's many listeners that would love to have a better work life balance. Do you agree, Marguerite? I would agree. Let's go back early in your career because you've learned a lot. How many times were you at the dinner table and you said to your family, "Oh, I'll be right back. I got to make a quick phone call." Does that sound familiar? Oh yeah. Great, and the family says, oh, that's all we see of mom for the night. Now, some of the listeners, they just had a cringe in their spirit because it's them. Let me give you a tip for better work-life balance. At the end of your day, if you say, I want to leave my office at 6 o'clock, then at 5 o'clock, you need to be sitting at your desk and ask yourself these four questions. Did I call everyone I needed to call today? And then those names that pop into your head, you just write them down. Next question: Did I email everyone I needed to email today? You write down the people you got to email. And sometimes we have these lead incubators, like a Boomtown at Commissions Inc. And we say, "Oh my goodness, I haven't even looked at my Boomtown yet." I got to email a bunch of people in there. Great, write down Boomtown. Third thing is, did I promise to U.S. mail anything to anybody? Usually that never happens because we're using email now. And the fourth thing, most important, what do I have scheduled for tomorrow? So you're doing that at 5 o'clock because you want to leave at 6. So all of a sudden, you've asked yourself the four questions. Now you call everyone you needed to call. You email everyone you needed to email. Okay? You have nothing to U.S. mail, and you look at what you have scheduled for tomorrow. And I guarantee all your listeners, if they ask themselves religiously every single day before they leave the office those four questions, that it should be a rare occurrence when you're at the dinner table saying, I'll be right back. Instead, I want you to turn that phone off. When you're with your family, okay, I'm sorry, you can have a one-hour dinner. I know who eats a one-hour dinner anymore, right? Okay. But engage your family in conversation. How was your day? What's going on at school with the kids? God didn't give you children to not be present for them. You know, when you put together a schedule, what are your big unmovable blocks? I'm sorry, your kids' soccer game should be an unmovable thing that you must attend. Do your best, you know, because they're only young, you know, for a short period of time. And, you know, me growing up, I mean, it was, you know, we we're brought up in the you put your nose down and you work till from the sun up to sundown. And so a lot of the baby boomers listening here on today's show, they know that working from sun up to sundown. It was wrong. But we've learned our lessons from it. We paid the price, too. Yeah. So just be who authentic as to who you want to be.
0: You know what, and I think that that is a great way to end our show because I think this has just been an amazing call and it, being authentic is so true and taking that time. You know, my youngest son just graduated uh, from high school and they're getting ready to start college and it, it just flies by, you know. Yeah. It, and I remember I have this little recording of my son when he was about six years old and it's kind of what the top of when I was working really hard then. And it was, Mom, what time are you coming home? You promised to take me somewhere, you know. Oh, and just geez. listening to that just breaks my heart. And I, I'm so grateful that I was able to turn that around and spend some time with my kids. So everything that you said has just awesome. been extraordinary, Bob. And I'm so grateful for you taking the time today. So if anyone my is pleasure. interested in talking or working with Bob, we're going to be posting his information on our blog along with this call. And any final thoughts, Bob?
1: Well, you know what? Seek the help you want. We do a, a free business consultation where our business consultants will review your business, giving you some tips on how you can have a better business and a better life. Please take advantage of it as Marguerite posts you know, the information. Uh, and, and just, you know what? Dare to make a difference next year. Dare yeah. to step out confidently with a plan, but start planning now. So it's Thank been great so talking much, with you, Marguerite. Yeah, it's been You're great awesome. being on the show today. I appreciate Have it. a
0: fantastic day. Thank you.
1: Thanks. You do the same. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye.